0: church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Hands,
1: the... Amen. Our brother can sing. I, uh, when I try to sing, I, I sound sort of like Joe Cocker having a bad day. Some of you young people don't even know, who's Joe Cocker? (laughs) I'm kind of dating myself there. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, uh, Before I minister this evening, I've got a special prayer request. Uh, I'm going to ask you right now to join me in prayer for a man by the name of Robert, a church that I pastored for years in Tennessee. Robert is a uh, former uh, soldier, he was in the 101st uh, Airborne. Served numerous times in Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, he's going through a crisis right now. He needs a touch of God right now. He was a faithful, dear friend in the church. His uh, friend died in his arms uh, in Afghanistan. Held him as as uh, his friend went into eternity. He's dealing with PTSD. Uh, he he had a very bad incident uh, y- yesterday, uh, uh, and uh, um, uh, right after service, I, I just got uh, the information. Uh, after immediately after service, I'm going to be contacting him, trying to talk to him. I'm I'm his. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Uh, I'm I'm I've been gone, but. he he says you're my pastor and so if you will let's pray for Robert right now he desperately needs God to touch him father I pray for a miracle God touch my dear friend Robert right now touch his mind help him to put the trauma behind him help him to put this this crisis father God behind him help him oh God right now give him strength Lord I, I pray God the peace that surpasses all understanding God, I bind death. I rebuke the spirit of of self destruction. I pray, set him free right now by your precious blood. Amen, amen. We, uh, 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 I have the highest respect for men who were in combat to defend us. I was in the military uh but uh i was never in war never in battle and there are scars that these men and women carry an incredible price that we can be free that we take for granted and these these men come home uh, uh nightmares and uh uh just just things come at them and uh and so i i can't even begin to 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 understand amen and so I do appreciate you uh, praying with me. Amen. Joshua chapter 14, uh, if you will uh, turn there, uh, Joshua 14, chapter. Amen. Uh, so, Mr. Sitsumu Yamaguchi recently died, and this elderly Japanese gentleman holds a particular place in human history. And uh, uh, you'd have to go back to fully understand, you have to go back to uh, uh, August 1945. Mr. Yamaguchi was an engineer for the Mitsubishi shipbuilding wing of the organization. And he was sent down to Hiroshima to oversee a project on a ship that was being built there while he is there uh, uh for the corporation, uh he's at work, and suddenly uh there was this incredible clap that resonated through throughout the the uh uh the air, the sky, and in a nanosecond uh because uh of, of the nature of what had just happened, the sun, for a nanosecond, appeared like a black ball in the sky. What had happened is the Enola Gay had dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, and the flash of that detonation is a thousand times brighter than the sun. And when this thing took place, uh, we know the story, an incredible shock wave of energy is released, uh, uh, Mr. Yamaguchi is injured. Uh, the city, as we know, is destroyed. Well, there is no more shipbuilding to be done in Hiroshima after that. So uh, an injured Mr. Yamaguchi uh, boards uh, a train. They were able to get some cars of random trains and, and, and make a train that's heading out of town. So as he's heading, he's like, I, "I'm going home. I'm, 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 you know, we're done here. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go home back to his his his, uh, his hometown. Uh, and it just so happens that's where Mitsubishi is headquartered. So he's like, "Well, I'm I'm going home. I'm going back to the headquarters and tell the boss what happened. So he he gets back." to his hometown and he's telling the boss about what happened because his boss is going what are you doing here why are you here why are you not in hiroshima because toward the end of the war it was going so badly for the japanese they never told the civilians truly what all that was going on and the civilians knew okay we're being firebombed uh, every night relentlessly okay things can't be well but the government never told them. In some places, the infrastructure was so destroyed that news was was carried by horseback to some of these outlying cities. So here's Mr. Yamaguchi standing in front of his boss, trying to explain to him what just happened in Hiroshima, and his boss is going, "What?" And he's telling him, "No, I'm this incredible." As he's speaking, this clap resonates through the sky. The sun appears as a black ball in the sky and this incredible flash as the city of Nagasaki is destroyed. Mr. Yamaguchi is the only known survivor of both atomic bombs. There's a dubious honor. So, like Mr. Yamaguchi, there are going to be bombs dropped on us. That there's going to be times where life itself is going to throw you a curveball. Where life itself is is going to stomach punch you or whatever. You might have your own terminologies, blindside you. There's going to be times in life where there's going to be things go wrong. You have to be able to survive them. There's a term that you hear now and then, and and that is you've got to be able to roll with the punches. Muhammad Ali had this ability that you would hit him. And and he rolled with the punch. This is a basic of, of any boxing, but Muhammad Ali uh, 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 was was very good at it. And it's the ability is like okay, the blow comes, and 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 you just you you just again like it sounds, you roll with the punch. Life is going to punch us, folks, and you have to be able to roll with the punches if you're going to survive. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. I've been running for 40 years. And until Jesus comes back, or until the Lord calls my name and calls me home, I've, I've got, you've got to be able to roll with the punch. So let's read about one of the guys that knew how to roll With a punch, I call this sermon "Surviving the Bombs." Uh, Joshua fourteen verse six. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and the Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, the uh, Kezanite, said to him, "You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea." I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord God. You ought to underline that if you're taking notes. I wholly followed. So Moses swore on that day, saying... Surely the land where your foot has trod and shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed, there it is again, the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he has these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on that day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so it is now for war, both for going out and coming back. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. These are giants. And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be. That the Lord will be with me, I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jethune, as an inheritance. So let's talk about, first of all, that one of the things that you have to be able to roll with the punches is the issue of violations and offenses. And I will also throw in there, too, uh, the reversals of life. In other words, when things go wrong, you you, you, you did something. Maybe you attempted something for the Lord, and and uh, you had faith, and you believed God for blessing, and something goes horribly wrong, and it didn't turn out the way you expected. Jesus is talking to the disciples one day, and he makes a statement It is impossible for violations or offenses not to come. In other words, nowhere in life are you ever going to live a life where uh, someone doesn't offend you. How many have ever been offended by somebody? How many have ever been violated? I'm not talking just offended. You offended. I'm talking about, you ever been ripped off? You ever followed up on somebody and poured your life into them only to go to tell you, you know, go, go take a long walk off a short pier? You know, you ever been ripped off by somebody and absolutely done wrong? So let's think about Caleb for a minute, that here he is. So we know Joshua and Caleb and 10 other spies, they go into the promised land. Moses sends them 40 days they're walking, they're, ex- they're, they're, they're experiencing, they're seeing firsthand the promised land. And, and in fact, at one point, they come to a vineyard, they, they, these grapes are growing there. And so one of them takes a knife and he cuts a bunch of grapes. This bunch of grapes is so big that they had to put a walking stick through the stem and two guys are carrying. How I many of you know that's a lot of grapes? When two guys are carrying this thing and they bring it back, they lay it in front of their pastor Moses and they're going, oh my gosh, it's just like the Lord said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And then all of a sudden, one of them speaks up. He goes, well, not so fast. We also saw giants there and oh, it, it terribly walled cities and my gosh, we're like grasshoppers and we're not able and God brought us out here to kill us and kill the pastor because it's always the pastor's fault. You know? and, 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 and the Bible says that in one night, these ten men were able to turn the heart of Israel and by the next morning, again, they're wanting to kill the pastor and go back into the desert. They're crying Saying it was better in Egypt, it was better in Egypt. Listen to me, let me let me throw this out. This is for free. Be careful when you start voicing things like, Why did I get saved? What you're saying is, It was better in my sinful life, or Oh, I missed this from my sinful life, or whatever. Be very careful when you start going down that road. And so, here's these men standing there going. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Even Joshua speaks up and says, Shut up, man! What are you doing? You keep it to yourself. And here that's, and God suddenly goes, You know what? I'm done. I'm done. They, they, they talk about dying in the wilderness. They're going to die in the wilderness. They're never going to see the promised land. And here they go, 40 years, off into the wilderness to die. And here's Caleb and Joshua Going with the 40 years with these bozos. That could you imagine 40 years of, of fellowshipping, having them over for chips and salsa, knowing that this is the idiot that shot his mouth off. That that, I mean, throughout the camp having to sit there, and every so often you encounter one of those those guys that, that you're like. I'm here, I should be living in my house and raising black Angus cattle right now in the Canaan land, but I'm out here because of you idiots. Even though they did nothing wrong. And this is where people can get bent sometimes. It's one thing when you've done something wrong. It's one thing when you've done something stupid, maybe secret sin, and now that sin's caught up to you, and you're suffering the repercussions, right? I mean, you could go, well, I brought this on myself, you know. Uh, it, 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 you know. But it's another thing when you're like, Pastor, I've, I didn't do anything. I've sat behind the desk. at at, at times through the years and I'm counseling, comforting a wife who's sitting there with her face in her hands crying because her husband has just done something horrible. Horrible. And she's crying going, Pastor, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I "I know, I know, I know. You have to be able to to roll with the punches. Think about Joseph, violated by his brothers. That here he, is, he's, here he is, the kid of the outfit, that you would think every little brother should be able to trust his older brothers. you right. And instead, here he is, thrown into the pit, sold as a slave. They tell their dad that he got killed by a wild animal. And for 20 some odd years, here he is in Egypt. And then it only gets worse from there. You have to be able to endure, you roll with the punch of violation and the setbacks of life. The danger with setbacks and violations is that you can develop an attitude, you can get bitter, you can get critical, you can become the church critic. I mean, think of Moses, you know, uh, that here he is. There comes a point where even the pastor loses it with the people. All they've done is complain. God rescued them from a life of slavery and bondage. That here he's rescued them, the plagues and everything, and all they did was complain about it. And finally, it's like his rubber band snaps. And the Lord says, uh, you know, they're, they're moaning and screaming, we need water, we need water. And God tells him, speak to the rock. Just speak to it and I'll bring water. But in his frustration, he yells at the people, how long do I have to put up with you people? And he strikes the rock with his stick. It's like following up on somebody for for the longest time. You've invested your time and your love and your labor only to have them rip you off. Life, if you don't hear anything, listen, life is 10% what happens to you, but it's 90% how you respond. This is why... Sometimes, you know, when uh, this thing, when I, uh, when people talk to me about, I lived in poverty, I lived in poverty, and that's why I'm a criminal. Uh, you know, that's why I rob liquors, because I grew up in poverty. I grew up in one. I go, garbage. That's garbage. I grew up in poverty. I could tell you stories about welfare when I was growing up. You know, the Toys for Tots thing in the, in the Christmas time when the Marines are, are uh, the, uh, the Toys for Tots. They came to my house with the toys, you know, and here's me and my brother. We shared this little, this little cubby of, of, of a room. It was what's supposed to be a little guest house designed for a now overnight stay it was my childhood home for nine years. And my brother and I, we had a bamboo stick with a curtain that, that kind of gave us a little privacy back there. That was our bedroom. I did not grow up a criminal. I did not grow up to ride in the back seat of the police car. I rode in the front and drove. My brother went on to work on the LCACs for the Marines, uh, or actually for the Navy, the LCAC, you know, the, the hovercraft. Uh, uh, There and, uh, and, And so here, you know, we didn't live a life of crime and stuff. And so people go, well, bad things happen, bad things happen. Bad things happen to everybody. Welcome to humanity. The danger with violations and offenses, the danger with not being able to roll with the punches of a setback in life, when life screams no to you. Or maybe you get a know in the kingdom that you you really were believing God for something, and the answer is no. The danger with it is that you can turn into a critical spirit. Everybody here knows what AIDS is, right? You all heard of AIDS. You know you don't hear much of it about about it in the in the media anymore and stuff because it's politically incorrect to talk about it. But, you know, HIV and stuff. And they talk about, oh, we're making great victories and battles and stuff. Well, they, yeah, the, you know, the, the reality is that yeah, people are still dying from it every day. Okay? We just got better meds to try to keep you alive a little bit longer. Okay? But listen to me carefully. I have been at the bedside of people that are not going to see the next sunrise. They're dying. Uh, 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 they, they, they contracted HIV because of a lifestyle they chose to live, and I have been at the bedside there holding the hand and leading someone in a sinner's prayer where bony, bony fingers, I'm talking they're laying in bed with an oxygen mask on and and barely able to whisper the words where, you know, and I'm leading them in this prayer and I'm listening, and I mean, they literally look like a skeleton with, with, with skin hanging on it. And what's interesting is about HIV, about AIDS, nobody, not one person, has ever died of AIDS. Not one person. AIDS doesn't kill you. This particular person is going to die from a cold, a cold. Because what HIV does is it destroys your immune system where you have no defense against sickness now, a common cold can kill you. Something that, that how many have ever had a cold? How many, you know what I mean? We've all had cold and flu, and it's like, yeah, we get better and we go on. But, but, so think about this. Critical spirit, bitterness. Bitterness is spiritual HIV. Bitterness is spiritual aids and what do I mean by that is that when you become bitter when you become critical something that the devil throws at you that in the past would would just bounce off your back you didn't even give it an issue suddenly. The simplest thing. Somebody says that. Somebody forgot to call your name. Somebody forgot to pick you up for sure. Somebody forgot to mention you, uh, uh, you know, in thanks and gratitude or whatever. And next thing you know, ah, I knew it! I've watched people backslide for the dumbest things that you would think, "Are, are you serious? They quit coming to church for That? a misinterpretation, a, a text. I've seen people leave because of a text. Because how many know that the problem with texts is there's no inflection. In other words, I, I'm very careful about texting people because what you think is funny, <laughs> they're going to think this is funny. They're going, what the heck does that Mexican mean by that? And and, and I've seen people where they're like, they're like Have you seen this? Have you seen this? I can't believe it. Bro, bro, back it up a notch man. Are you sure that's what he meant? I know that's exactly what he meant. You know the problem is? He's bitter. He's bitter. He's critical. The danger is is that, that not only that, is that it destroys a very important facet of faith. Listen to me carefully. Faith has a twin it's called expectancy faith is believing my God can expectancy is my God will My God will help you. My God will heal you. My God will set you free. My God will answer your prayers. Expectancy is the twin sister of faith. That when you come to church by faith, what you're saying is, God is going to have a word for me. God's going to bless me today. God's going to speak to me. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to walk out just a little bit more like Jesus. But bitterness kills expectancy. You come to church now not expecting to receive from Jesus. Now you come to church criticizing. Dave, you call that a song? You call that singing? You know, what? what, You can't come up with something original? You had to steal someone's song? You know? Uh, uh, you know, what, what, you know, what is this? What kind of madhouse is this? Yeah, you know, and you come to church. How many of you have ever known someone like that? Another bomb that you have to be able to handle is the wilderness experience. So here Caleb is betrayed by by these men. He has to roll with the punch. But not only that, it doesn't end there. It's not going to end for 40 years. The wilderness experience. We will all go through a wilderness. There's different reasons for a wilderness. Sometimes it's because it is the fruit of, of, of of rebellion and disobedience, a life of sin where where God goes, no 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 you know what you're you're gonna deal with this. You're gonna deal with this and, and you go through a wilderness. Sometimes it's a wilderness by the devil where he's attempting to destroy you. But a wilderness experience, Jesus, he's baptized, it's a wonderful moment. The dove, the voice of God, it's a wonderful experience. But what does the Bible say immediately happened after that? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And that sometimes people go, oh, I'm going through a bit, oh, I can't feel God, I haven't, you know. And, and, and it's like, you know, it's the devil, it's the devil, it could be God. It could be God wanting to draw closer to you and getting you to draw close. There's a term, I don't know if young people use it, but, you know, you ever heard that, you know, 20 miles a bad road. It's like when you run into some old high school friend that has been living a life of sin, you know, and you run into him, you go, hey, good to see you, hey, and the whole time you're thinking, yikes. This guy looks like 20 miles of bad road, man. Life's been rough. Holy cow. You know, what happened to you? You've been worshiping Satan or something? You know, like, holy cow. You know, 20 miles of bad road. But you know the reality of destiny? The road to destiny isn't paved. One of the things I like about the Phoenix Valley is that it was an experimental location. Some engineer, a highway engineer, was sitting back, I guess, somewhere in a desk somewhere, and he goes, you know, we have miles and miles and millions of tons of rubber tires sitting in junkyards sitting there. How many have ever seen those giant stacks of tires? And, and uh, he's going, there's got to be something we can do with those things. And he devised a way that you can put them in this machine. They, they, they melt away the rubber, and this machine pulls out the steel belts and separates the steel from the rubber. And then they figured out a way of mixing that rubber with pavement and making literally a rubberized pavement. And Phoenix was the first place they experimented with this. This is why when you would go to Phoenix and uh, uh, Tennessee, man, we had potholes you could lose a car in, you know, because of the winter and summer and winter and stuff. But you go to Phoenix, we'd get our rental car, and you'd leave the, 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 the airport, and it's just... <laughs> hang your arm out, quiet. Because it's rubber on rubber and great traction and smooth, right? Now, we wish destiny was like those roads, huh? It ain't. It's not paved. And there's no shortcuts to your destiny. And there's going to be pitfalls. There's going to be potholes in the road to destiny. Somewhere you're going to go through reversals of life. Amen. Amen a wilderness experience. I'm talking about where you're spiritually weary. Paul said, he says, be not weary in well-doing. If you're living in sin, you need to be weary. And sin will make you weary. But here, Paul makes this interesting statement. He says, be not weary in well-doing. You're doing right, but just living life and serving God and dealing with people and problems and, and all that life has to offer. You can be weary. It could be a wilderness of loneliness. Pastor, I'm lonely. It could be barrenness where where you're unfruitful. It could be disappointments of life. I'm talking about the times when you're praying your heart out And it seems as if God is a million miles away. Times that you're in prayer, and it seems as if your prayers didn't even make it past the T-grid ceiling, let alone heaven. One of the greatest tests of faith, church, listen to me, is the test when Jesus doesn't answer back. The times that you're praying, you're crying out to God, God, help me. God, speak to me. Speak to me. And it seems like nothing's coming back. Dry seasons. Times of obscurity. Nothing is going right. I think I said the other day, I mentioned to you, people talk about I'm having a bad day, a bad month. Listen, I've had bad years. I I don't talk about 1991 and I don't talk about 2017 they never have it the calendar goes from 2016 to 2018 and during these times God can break through on you as long as you don't do something stupid here's Joseph think about this betrayed by his brother sold it as a slave and now here comes Potiphar's wife, and here's this. She's attractive. She's she's a she's a, a, a you know a, a, a beautiful woman, no doubt. And she comes up to him and starts putting the moves on him. You know he could have easily went. You know, it's not like God's working in my life here. He could have easily. You know what? Life's been doing nothing but issuing the blows. You know what? I deserve this one. And instead he goes, no, not going to do it. Nobody's watching. How you carry yourself in the wilderness. You know, here's Jesus. You know, the devil, the Bible says that Satan comes to him. And, uh, it, you know, and, and, and I've, I've heard all kinds of different depictions of it. I don't believe for one minute that, you know, when the devil comes up to him, I don't believe for one minute he came to him as, as, as that, that, you know, how many have ever seen the passion of the Christ? Y'all seen the, the movie, the passion of the Christ. Okay. Remember in the garden, you know, and the, and then uh, here's the, the, the uh, uh, Satan, which, you know. It's not in the Bible there, but it's like, okay, you know, it's like, all right, we'll give Mix, Mel Gibson the benefit of the doubt. Okay, and here's Satan, bow down to me, you know, and, 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 and you know, the character kind of looks like Dr. Doctor Strange or whatever that, you know, you know, with a hood on, you know, bow down to me, you, you know, and, and, and. I don't believe for one minute they're in the wilderness, and 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 Satan comes up to you know with gnarly fingers and 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 bent. I don't believe he he came up to him going, you know, bow down to me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the right. I don't believe that for at all, not at all. I believe he he came at him from a different angle. In other words, he came up to him and said. Just bow down to him. I'll give them to you. There's no need for a cross. There's no need for pain. There's no need for all that. Just bow down to him. I'll give them to you. You. And Jesus goes, No. Joseph says no. David is on the run. He's hiding in the cave of Vengeti. I mean, I'm talking. They almost caught him. Saul's men. Saul now says, uh, "I got to go relieve myself," you know, and uh, uh, he goes up into the cave, the very cave that David's already in, and they're backing up, and here he's hiding, and here, you know, you know, kill him, kill him, kill him, and David's. I believe that moment is what made David. He goes, "No, you." Know, and he cut a piece of his garment off. And, and, uh, and, and I believe, but if he had killed him, I believe it would have been different. The ending would have been different. You have to be able to endure a wilderness. We all will go through them, church. Those times where we're going, God, God, where are you? Did I, did I do something? Because it's always the first thing we start thinking, huh? God, did I I violate you? Did did I do something? Then what's the next thing we start thinking? He's punishing me. He's punishing me. This this is what's happening. That's why everything is going the way it is. God hates me. He doesn't want to see see me make it. Listen to me carefully. The wilderness is where you learn to lock your mind in. Okay? Okay? Lock in right here. There's times in your walk with God where you feel him immensely. I mean, I can't, you know what I mean? How many of you have ever, uh, you know, church services getting ready to start, you can already feel, man, the presence of God, you know? And and, and there's times where you come to church, so let's say, and or you're living your life, and, and it, it's not like you're not hitting hot lakes and stuff, but you're like, yeah, you know what I mean? God's good. You know, you know I'm living for God here. But there's going to be times that you're going to have to lock your mind in because you're going through a wilderness and this is where by faith I believe. I believe because you feel nothing or if you feel something, you feel fear. You're afraid and you're going to have to be able to To lock in. No doubt, here's Joseph. Could you imagine that he says no to Potiphar's wife? Now he's in prison. And we know there's no more wonderful place than a Jew in an Egyptian prison. And yet here he is. Nope. Nope. My God is able. My God is able. And these are the times that when you come out the other end, That that here 40 years later, here's Caleb has come out the other end and he says, I am as strong today as I was 40 years ago. Give me that mountain with the giants because my God is going to give them to me. Ruth, another example, that here she is, Able to lock her mind. Forget all that's going on. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where they bury you, they're going to bury me. That's the end of the discussion. Let's talk about time. I need to move here. Do you remember what time it was? <laughs> Still been that? Right? Yeah. I'm setting a record here. I said it earlier at the beginning of the sermon. Christianity is a marathon. It's a marathon. That the issue isn't how well you start. It's how well you finish. We've had races I for years. I I haven't raced in years. I, 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 I blew a knee years ago. And so now I just kind of, Hobble, you know. I look like a rhinoceros on roller skates when I run. So it's like, it's just, you know. Anyway, but what's so funny about these races is that you you line up according to your times. In other words, there's, you know, at the very front of the pack is it's always the Kenyans, <laughs> you know, and and then there's always the, the those those skinny Kenyans and Ethiopians and they're in the front there and then there's the the 5 minute milers and then then there'll be another stake in the ground or a, or a banner and then here's the 6 minute milers and 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 you and you line up accordingly what it is is they don't want the 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 big slow rhinoceros in the front you know what i mean like okay here we go because these guys are going to try to set records and they don't want him blocking the way okay and uh and so they go, no, 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 what's your times? What is your average times? And uh, and so I'm usually in the very back, you know, with the 12-minute milers, you know, and, and we're all eating hot dogs back there, you know. <laughs> it's, good, like, it's good to show on the road, you know, <laughs> licking the mustard off our fingers, you know, as, as they go. and the gun goes off. Bang! And some of these races I've been in, in Detroit and some of these other places, I mean, by the time you even get to the starting point, that's why everyone's got a computer chip, you know, that they put on their shoe now, because uh, by the time you get to the starting point, the Kenyans are like already, you know, they're already finished, they're getting their reward, you know, and thank you, thank you, you know, and I'm just barely starting. And then I got this particular, I'm like kind of like, yup, 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 you, you know. I don't run, I kind of mosey, you know. And, uh, but there's always those guys that run past you. You know what I mean? They're just like, you know, and they have some comments too. Some of these snide little guys, you know, they'll run by and like, get away, so. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. Hey, slow lanes over in the trees, man. You know. But what's so funny is that mile eight. A- 9, 10, 11, 12. Here you see him off to the side. And here I come. <laughs> and I say, hey, dude, the slow lanes over in the trees. <laughs> the issue isn't how fantastic you start, because some of us started kind of rough kind of rough. The issue is not that; is how well you finish. Finish the race. Finish the race. I finished the race. I might have shared it with you maybe last time I was here. So this way, I blow a knee out at like mile eight. At mile nine, I strained my Achilles in the opposite leg. So I, it hurts to put weight on this knee And it's swelling like a cantaloupe. And then my Achilles is locked up on this one. It won't bend and flex. So I'm doing this thing. (laughs) People in the church. I talked like seven people into joining this race with me. I said, come on, I'll help you train. Come on, let's do this race. It'll be awesome. So here's all these people. And they're going, Pastor, stop, stop. you're, stop. You're hurting. Well, I don't want to. You know what I mean. You know, and let's be honest, male ego. I'm like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, and I'm thinking it's a good thing we're all sweaty so they can't see the tears coming down. Because I mean, I'm in excruciating. I mean, I'm running so bad. Some dude goes, "Are you gonna go ring the bell?" You'll get that tonight, sort of, Quasimodo. Okay, all right. But what was interesting? Is, is everything in me is, is wanting to quit. And I just kept going. At one point, I was just doing this, literally. But as I started approaching the finish line, and we're talking, you know, they got the big arch over it and stuff and crowds. and And as I started getting closer and closer, my son Jason had finished the race come back to help his old man, finish the race. And as I'm getting closer, I mean, here's, you can hear it. Because <sighs> they're, they're all day, they don't care about, all they know is I'm finishing, I'm finishing. And as I'm crossing that finish line, people are going, awesome, awesome. I mean, you're doing one of these things. You know, and I mean, I'm like, thank you, thank you, please. Can you take me to the hospital? (laughs) I can't feel my leg from the knee down. One day, we're going to walk into heaven. And we're going to hear... And we may come hobbling. We may come beat up. We might come with scars of battle and blood and mud in our face. And the angels say, we don't care. And Jesus is going to say, welcome home. Welcome home. And I'm going to say, where's the hospital? That's just a joke. It's just a joke. Lock your mind in. The wilderness is temporary. It's temporary. Let's bow our heads.
0: We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.